Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon this week. We have a very special guest. She's she's not really a guest. She's one. She's part of our family. We have a family member coming back. First, let me introduce joining us from New York. Oh no, you're not in New York City. You were in New York City I'm yesterday, Bontemps. I was. You're now in. Yep. You're now in Philadelphia. I am. Where I'll be for the playoffs with the Sixers as long as they're in them. <laughs> and your your super secret plan to get across the border. Are we going to reveal that at some point? I don't know if we're going to do that. I'm mean, going to you have a plan. So I'm going, yeah. I'm covering the whole series. That's right. And you have a plan to get across the border. That is non-traditional joining us from Dallas where he's on Luka Doncic calf watch is Ben McMahon. Howdy partners. And our special family member coming back to us, Jackie McMullen. We're so happy to have you. And bringing on Jackie is our innovation of the week. And that's brought to you by CarMax. Shop online and on the lot with home delivery in select markets. Welcome back to the Hoop Collective. Thank you. It's so nice to see everybody. I haven't seen any of you. I guess, Tim Bontemps, I've seen you in person. But the rest of you, I still have not seen you. In a minute. Way, way too long. So, Tim, I have to ask you, like, why do you have to sneak over the border? Are you not vaccinated? May I ask why? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I am. I'm going to and from uh, Toronto. I am fully vaccinated, but uh, you can um, you don't have to test to come into the States if you drive uh, out of the country. So that's how I'm going to be going in and out. And just because he does, we don't want him to get test positive. And then be stuck there for days, weeks on end. Listen, if yeah. you don't want them to test positive, just give them uh, an IQ test. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. You know, Whitey Bulger. There's a famous Whitey Bulger story about going into Canada. So he was big Bruins fan. Of course, he was on the lam, the most wanted fugitive. I think the most wanted in America at the time. And the Bruins were in the finals playing the Vancouver Canucks. And Whitey was on the lam in California. But he really wanted to see this game. So he, he and his girlfriend put on a disguise, drove across the border, watched the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. This is a true story and drove back. So I wish I knew what Whitey's disguise was, Tim, because maybe we could. <laughs> of course, Whitey's gone now, as we know. That is Wouldn't true. it be amazing if like if Instagram was around back then, Jackie, and he like oh did a selfie, <laughs> did a selfie? Because <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I covered those playoffs, believe it or not. I did. I was there for the. I guess I was there for ESPN Boston. I can't even remember, but I was there. And oh, yeah, I was with ESPN Boston. My pal Joey McDonald bought a case of beer. And I'm like, what are we going to be doing with that? You know, so they win. We have a beer. We write. We have a beer. We start to walk out. And there's a riot. Remember? Because they had. Oh, yeah, right. The Canucks lost. So we're going to walk out and the cops go, oh, no, no, no. Back inside you go. So I got a case of beer. (laughs) Unfortunately, the problem was Barry Melrose and Steve Levy were with us. So we didn't get to drink that much. Uh, (laughs) That's right. It was a fun memory for me. Anyway. Um, So Jackie, the reason you've uh, come back is to tell us about your project. That was like a book. Uh, It's a podcast project called the icons club. Um, It's on the, um, the ringer podcast network. It's on the the book of basketball uh, feed. But Jackie, you've been working on this, no kidding, for years, well, years. And it years. just, yeah, almost two it years. Just, yeah. It just came out um, last month and the episodes are coming out now. Can you tell us what the Icons Club is? Well, it, the whole idea of it, Brian, was that so all these great icons, every every generation 
the players get a little more rights. They have a little more power. So how does that happen? So our premise was that there's this icons club and only the elite members of the NBA can be in it because they're the only ones that can understand like magic understood what Larry was going through and Larry understood what magic would, but nobody else did. Wilton Russell, probably the same kind of thing. So the premise was to find out what did Russ teach Dr. J who taught Michael Jordan, who taught Kobe. That was, that was the premise. Uh, I wish it was as clear at the time I started this all that time ago. That's what the premise turned out to be. And it was fascinating to me. Um, it took so long. I'm, it's my fault because I got down the rabbit hole and I couldn't get myself back up with every episode. You found out a new story and that meant contacting a new person. And so I think we interviewed over 50 um, great NBA players and we're talking, you know, the greatest of the great icons, icons, icons. right? From, you know, from Oscar Robertson and Bob Cousy all the way up to Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and, you know, a whole bunch of guys in between. So well, here, here's, here's all I need to know about Jackie. So she gets very mad, but I call her the legend and she gets very grumpy about that. Cause she doesn't like to be called that, but you know why Jackie is the legend? Cause she opened this podcast with an interview with Michael Jordan. And Michael yeah, Jordan totally. is all in this podcast. And I can tell you, Michael Jordan wouldn't be doing that for anybody else. He's doing it for Jackie Mack. So that that sums up why she's a legend in this podcast is great. I told her I told her that offline. I've listened I've listened through half it so far and it's riveting stuff. Like it's really it's really, really cool stuff. So definitely go listen to it. Thank well, you. The, the legend is certainly accurate. I don't think she gets mad because you call her a legend. I think she gets <laughs> mad because you call her. Leave her alone. <laughs> That's funny. You oh, know, you missed man, Jackie. You Jordan was great. Man. Jordan made this whole thing for us. And I told him that um, right before it came out, I texted him and said, oh, yeah, this was uh, uh, thanks again, because he has so much to offer. And I think um, I probably caught him at a good time. I, I don't think he was particularly thrilled with the blowback from the last dance and some of the things that came back at him. I think some of it flummoxed him a little bit, to be honest. And um you know, he's pretty introspective these days. I think losing Kobe was a huge blow for him. They really were very good friends. And we, we really chronicle um, the amount of time they spent together and, the, and the, the amount of times Kobe called Jordan sometimes in the middle of the night. And Jordan would, you know, he'd be asking these very specific questions and Jordan would be talking to him and they'd lie back down and say, why the hell am I doing this? Why am I giving this kid all my secrets? I've never done this with anybody else. Why am I doing it for this kid? And I think the answer really was that he was in many ways just flattered that Kobe wanted to be him. You know, he really, he strived to be him and then be better than him. And of course he never quite got to that peak. He got pretty close. And so for me having Jordan as a thread all the way through, um, you know, the tough Jordan, the punch Steve Kerr Jordan, all the way to the very soft side at the end of Jordan, giving Kobe his secrets, sharing, you know, crying like a baby at Kobe's funeral sort of. Mm -hmm. So for me, in a lot of ways, the evolution of the NBA icon was what this was about. But for me, in many ways, it was the evolution of Michael Jordan, to be honest, because he wasn't one of the guys that was sharing information. Dr. J was the first person that said to him, if you ever need anything, call me. And Michael said, thank you, Julius, and then never called him because he thought, no, I do this on my own. Yeah, that was interesting that you talked. He talked about that even though he came sort of a half generation behind bird magic, he came into bird and magic's NBA. He wasn't interested in getting advice from them. And I can tell you that that's the way LeBron operated too. Mm -hmm. um, 
that LeBron didn't want uh, to seek advice from elders. He LeBron likes to give out advice, <laughs> loves to give out advice, uh, <laughs> asked for or not. But that was the way LeBron was when he came in the league. And then it sounds like Jordan told you the same the same sort of thing. Well, you know, what's interesting, Brian, is Michael Jordan went to a young LeBron James and said, just like Dr. J said to him, if you ever need anything, call. And then in the in our series, Jordan says, and to his credit, he didn't. Jordan gets it. He does. He's not offended by that. In a way, he's he kind of admires it. But let's not forget that after that horrific series against Dallas in the finals, when we're all wondering, wow, maybe LeBron James is a mirage after all. Where did he go? You know where he went. He went down to see Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah. Um, well, first he went to the Bahamas and sulked for about five days. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jackie, uh, you you mentioned the fallout that Jordan after the the Last Dance. Were you surprised what um, some of the how how hurt Scotty Pippen was and the outpouring that he had and when he put out his own book after that? Well, I think. I mean, I really like Scotty. You and I worked with him, Brian. So do I. Yeah. I got a chance to know him. You know, I can't say that I know him like people who covered him when he was playing, but I I spent a lot of time with him. So I think he reminds me of Shaq in that I think he's pretty sensitive about criticism. And um, and I think he I think he forgot. I really do. I think it's easy for Scotty to just move past what happened when in that famous game when he wouldn't go in because he was mad at Phil and he didn't get the last shot called for him. And of course that was highlighted in the last dance and, and there's no way to spin that positively for Scottie Pippen, right? There just isn't. And so to have to relive that all those years later, when, you know, he's gone on to be a successful man, he had family, he was, you know, had, was a television person. I think that was probably a little bit of a shock to the system in some regards. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, I think that happened to a lot of the guys. I mean, Dennis Rodman, I was around then. I totally forgot the Dennis Rodman, a wall to vague. I had totally forgotten about that, you know, because there were so many crazy things going on with those guys. So uh, I think that's some of where I think there was also, and I don't know this for a fact, this is speculation on my part, because I don't want you guys to get aggregated. No longer my problem, but I still don't want to have <laughs> you. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, there was the idea that Jordan was getting paid. Now, Jordan donated all his money to charity, the, the pro. I think both Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen thought you, you, you should have paid us again, speculation from the last dance. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say that, um, you know, Scotty was careful what he said about Michael on Mm -hmm. air and he was very careful about whenever comparing Michael to anybody, even though there is really difficult to compare because the phone would ring. I mean, he's Scotty would tell me that the phone would ring from Michael. So, you know, <laughs> you know, but I also remember you know, people say, oh, I don't know if this is going to what's going to happen to these two. But I, I remember the story of of Chamberlain and Russell and how Bill said something speaking to a college. Right, uh, Jackie, and it offended yep. it offended um, it offended. Cha- I can't remember even what it was, something about Chamberlain not playing through an injury and. Yeah, it was the 69 finals. It was Chamberlain. It was Russell's last game, game seven. He was retiring and Will, Will got hurt, went to the, with a knee, went to the bench and everyone was kind of incredulous because he was limping a bit, but they're like, well, when's he going to go back in? And he finally went to the coach, Butch Bramredikoff and said, I'm ready to go back in. And the coach said, screw you, we're going to go without you. And 
Russell was very offended by it because he felt like this is my last game. Um, the Lakers were heavily favored in that series. You know, he was offended that he wouldn't play again. He, he, that he I mean, it was, it was a, it's a hard methodology for me to get, but you know, no, listen, it's a different time. People played through injuries and he made that comment. They didn't speak for a long time, but the, the ice finally broke and we covered this in the series. Yeah, um, it was great. The, the Reebok commercial, Shaq's Reebok commercial. Remember he knocks on and, then, and Bill Russell says, password. And he says, don't, <laughs> don't fake the funk on a, no, don't fake the funk on a nasty dunk, right? And he goes in and there, who's there waiting for him? But Bill Walton, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell all stand there with their hands folded. And um, Walton told me that it was on that set where Wilt was the kind of the friendly one, the one without the ego, which is interesting, right? Because we always think of him as having an oversized body, game and ego. He was the one that kind of broke the ice and, and uh, got that friendship back on, on track. Yeah. So I, because of that, um, like, look, is it, you know, are, are Ray Allen and KG kind of, are they getting back together? Is that, is that a little there bit? Was some, there was some bending of fences at the, uh, at both the 75th anniversary thing in Cleveland. Okay. And then at the KG uh, Jersey retirement, Ray came back. Kevin said he should get his Jersey retired. You know, there was, there was just at least some, some thawing there. So if, if I don't know, Jack, you think, you think there's thawing there or. Well, I do, but I just don't think they were ever really good friends to begin with. And that's right. Okay. You know, so, you know, Wilton Russell, again, we're talking about, you're the only one that knows how I feel. Think about them in the sixties, these two huge men who are carrying a league that doesn't make any money. That's never shown on TV. I think their per diem was like $8 and 50 cents a day. Okay. And they're taking trains and they have to pack light because they got to walk across a cornfield to get to the hotel in Fort Wayne. I mean, this is a different NBA that we're talking well, about. Well, Jackie, okay? the crazy, the crazy part in there was when you talked about how they would like, they would stay at each other's houses too. Right. Sleep and in stuff. His bed. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. He slept in, uh, Russ would go down to Philly and sleep in Wilt's bed when they played at Thanksgiving, you know? So there was a connection there that you know, KG and Ray, when they were teammates, they were brothers. That's how that goes. But, um, you know, one of the reasons their falling out began in the first place was that when they had events, team events, Ray didn't go. Ray was playing golf with Doc and Danny. And uh, and the guys would say, you never show up. And then Ray would have an event and everyone would show up. So, you know, long before Ray left for Miami, there was some things going on there that, and by the way, Ray had every right to be who he wanted to be and do what he wanted to do. I never understood um, I never thought it was that egregious. They tried to trade Ray Allen before he left. As that's a the thing. That's Memphis. the thing that's always forgotten is that always he nearly forgotten. got traded. Yeah. And then six months later, he decided to leave. Yeah, and Ray had the right to leave it. Right. So the point is Russell and Chamberlain were in a feud, ended up mending. <laughs> I don't know whatever you want to call the, the Allen KG thing champions together. And they're kind of coming, getting past it. And even though Pippen and Jordan are right now at odds, I am hoping and believing that they'll eventually get past it. They're too great not to, but it was unfortunate that Scotty didn't come to the 75th celebration because I thought that was really, really cool. And I'm jaded and I don't really, you know, get into that kind of stuff. And I thought it was awesome. And, you know, because I know Scotty on a personal level, I was sad that he wasn't there. Um, Anyway, check out the icons club. I mean, Jackie just, scratch the surface of the kind of stuff that's in there. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be, and don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid, thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on Supercuts.com. But I do think we should talk about the playoffs, if you don't mind. Um, A couple of series that um, we're going to get started this weekend that are very fascinating. I think it's a very fascinating year. One of the more fascinating in the 20 years I've covered the NBA. And I want to start with the Celtics and Nets. And Jackie, I want to start with asking you how you see this series, particularly the Celtics going against the grain and just playing to win and saying, okay, we'll play the Nets. Yeah. They shouldn't have done that. In my opinion, Um, I would go, I would have set myself up to play the bulls or the Raptors if I had to. Um, So that was a mistake in my mind. Um, And I, you know, we can all talk about honor and all that, but you know, the bucks have honor too, but they did the right thing for their franchise. So um, that being said, it's interesting to me, how the odds makers are favoring the Celtics. It's so funny to me. And I'm not a better at all, but I look at the odds and I'm, I'm really startled at how um, they favor the Celtics, not just over the nets, but in some sites over everybody. And maybe it's just because uh, Tim and I, Bon Temps and I have watched this team and we've watched it. We've seen the p- potential and then watched it falter when it really counts. So maybe we're a little jaded. I, I don't want to speak for you, Tim, uh, because I, th- the one worry I would have if I, well, two worries if I were a Celtics fan. Obviously, the obvious one is that Robert Williams isn't there. He's a defensive anchor. He's very important. Bruce Brown has already given us a, a glimpse into how the Nets plan to beat them by going into the paint. But the second one is, and again, we can talk about this, but the idea of clutch points and Tim McMahon, this is right up your alley. You're you're my mm-hmm. stats guy. You know what I'm talking about? Clutch points, um, clutch moments. Cajones factor. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. The cones factor and their numbers weren't great. Now we can say, OK, they weren't. But on the whole for the season. But since January, everything's changed. And there is some truth to that. They never should have signed Schroeder in the first place. And they had to get rid of him because the ball was sticking with him. It was about him getting his numbers, getting his next contract, not about what that team needed to do uh, to make it be at their optimal best offensively. 
And Derek White to me was this really great unheralded pickup. I don't think people realize how great he's been for them. So, uh, so if, if I'm the Celtics, I'm going to run, 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 because we know the Nets have problems with the transition defense. But the idea that this is like a slam dunk for Boston is crazy to me. Like, has anybody been watching what Kyrie Irving's been doing? My goodness. Yeah. And, and uh, you mentioned the Nets club struggles and the Gahonis factor that, that I originated that term in a passionate defense of Kyrie Irving on right. one of my original podcast appearances. Cause everyone was like, you know, slamming Kyrie analytics, this and that defense, this and that, you know, bond temps was getting all nerdy. And I'm like, this is right after the dude hit a game winner on Christmas against the team, the Warriors team that he had a, a game seven winning shot. So if it's close down the stretch, I mean, KD and Kyrie, not just two of the great shot makers of this era, but two of the great clutch shot makers. Um, having said all that, I, the Nets have to guard for the first 45, 46, 47 minutes of games. And I'm not convinced they can do that well enough to beat the Celtics four times out of seven. Um, and look, KD and Kyrie, they're going to get their buckets. They're good. But the Celtics are not, you know, it's not going to be easy for those guys. They're going to have to work for their points. Um, you know, the Williams absence is significant, but the Celtics have been a much better team over the course of the season. Great. Yeah, I I think that's really where it comes down to for me, McMahon. The Celtics are just a much better team than the Nets. Even in these recent days when the, the Nets had to win some of these games to get in the 7-8 matchup, yeah, they won, but they needed to play Kyrie 40-something minutes to beat Houston, a team that's not mm -hmm. trying. They both, him and Kevin Durant, had to play the entire second half to beat the Knicks uh, and come back from down 21 at MSG. Uh, they could They struggled to beat a injury depleted and frankly, not that good at this point Cavaliers mm -hmm. team twice. They gave up 120 or 30 points to the Indiana Pacers. Like this is a team that has never really played to the level that people put it to. And they also have been a 500 or worse team in games. Kyrie has played this season. And those games have pretty much all come with either James Harden or Kevin Durant on the court with him. Yeah, so, a slight difference between Kevin Durant and uh, this season's James Harden. Well, you can say taken. that, but it's still he's still Harden's still been an All Star level player this year. It's not like he was out there with you know the end of the bench guys in those. But games, KD's you know an MVP I mean? level player. Of course, I mean there, there's a drastic drop off there. There is, but they it's they haven't been lighting the world on fire anyway. And I think your point about the way the six the Celtics and Nets line up in this series, I think, is really the thing that people forget about in that if you look at the way this is matched up, the Celtics have probably the best players in the league to guard Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. You've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Derek White and Marcus Smart. You can all throw at Durant at different times. And then you've got Derek White and Marcus Smart, who you can both put on Kyrie basically for 48 minutes a game. And sure. those two guys are going to have to work for every single point they get the entire game. There's going to be no easy baskets. going to be no easy points. And the Nets have not exactly proven to be a team, like you both have said, that's going to guard for 48 minutes. It's going to play hard for 48 minutes. Their effort fluctuates up and down. They just don't have the defenders to actually guard anybody, really. So I do, Jackie, actually think the Celtics should be pretty clear favorites in this series. I do think they should win the series fairly comfortably. Mm. And it's Kevin Durant is an unbelievable player. And I certainly wouldn't be excited about seeing him on the other side, but you know, there's also the fact that we're not sure exactly who would have been eligible to play 
in Toronto, which may have factored into Boston's thinking in that mm-hmm. series. But beyond that, to me, if I'm the Celtics and I think I have a realistic chance to win a championship or at least some chance to win a championship, to me, the only way they were going to do that is if they got home court against Milwaukee. And so that's why I understand why somebody would say, hey, don't take on the Nets in the first round. But to me, their only chance to beat Milwaukee, barring injury, was having a home court in the game seven. And so I, well, I get we, why they went for that second seed no, to get that, that potential home court in the second round. Because to me, that's the one way I can see them having a real path to get into the final. Let me throw this in. So I got told the early, a couple uh, within the last 24 hours that the target for Ben Simmons is game four, five, or six. Now, I couldn't believe that because the guy hasn't played in 11 months and isn't even doing five on five. Uh, and, you know, every time I checked on Ben Simmons for the last six to eight weeks, it was no week to week, not close, not close, you know, still ways to go. And so when I heard this hard pivot towards optimism and like the word game four came out of the mouth, I was like, and then Durant said today, he's not expecting to play Nash hedged and said, maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't, you know, and I don't know. I, he's got to go through ramp up, but I don't, I mean, let, let's say he does playing. And by the way, this is a first round spread out series. We're recording this on Thursday. Game five isn't for like 11 days or something like that. So it's not like he'd be playing in like, uh, you know, a, a few days. Do you think if Ben Simmons played 12, you know, three, four minute stretches, Jackie, that it would make a potential difference? Could that be like a mid series curveball? Listen, I'm a fan of Ben, what Ben Simmons can do, but I will say this. He's a unique talent. He's not a plug him in and go kind of talent. Mm. He, when he's at his best, he's got the ball in his hands and he's going downhill in the open floor. That's when Ben Simmons is so, so scary. He's a great defensive player, but with a, a back that's been a little cranky and you haven't played in a whole year, how much are you going to ask from him? It, this makes no sense to me. It, it just doesn't. Um, you know, if we if you had a healthy Ben Simmons, would everybody feel differently about this series? Maybe. But it's it's late. And again, he's not a guy. I mean, Durant has never played with him. Kyrie has never played with him. And Kyrie, we've all seen, he gets exasperated if guys are in his way or in the wrong spot or aren't. The, and, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't like I would it. just foul him. I would just I wouldn't you just hack him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's a possession. It's anytime he's out there with those guys, it's a possession. They're not shooting. Right. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to argue that. I mean, I, it's just hard but, to but see he does other things, but he does other things. I mean, no, you know, he does for sure. But I'm just saying, like, to Brian's point, if you foul Ben every time, like that's a time that Kevin or Kyrie isn't shooting the ball. Like you're you're probably going to be in better shape that way, you know? Yeah, and, and I just don't know, like you throw Ben Simmons in in the middle of a series where like. Will he have even any practice time with these guys? It's not like teams are practicing hard during the playoffs. It's not like they're going to be scrimmaging in practice. Right. I don't know if – is that a wrench in the in, in the works or is that like a bonus? I, I don't know. Uh, totally new role for him. Like if this is, you know, NBA 2K and, you know, you don't have to worry about all that stuff, great. But it's not. And, you know, how does he fit? Like you can – you can come up with this world where, oh, hey, you plug him right into that Bruce Brown role. He's perfect. He's never done that. You know, that's like right. you, you can see that if he has a 
a training camp or a lot of practice time or some, you know, a few weeks of regular season play to ask him to do that midway through a playoff series. I mean, or to just throw him out there and have him guard Jason Tatum and be like, Oh yeah, try to slow down Jason Tatum. Who's on an absolute nuclear tear. Right? Like it's not like he, he's had one half ass yeah. practice all season. He hasn't played in a year. Right. Like I just, I we can't. all know the speed of the game, right? We all know the yeah. speed of the game. That's it's yeah. true. The Low Post Podcast brings you some of the best insights into the world of the NBA, hosted by NBA insider Zach Lowe. Playoffs are here, and Lowe will be there with what you need to know. Listen to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. So injuries are going to play a big role in this first round. They always do in the playoffs. And McMahon... Down there in Dallas, we got a. This is mm. potentially something that could change the whole playoffs. I mean, maybe Lucas shouldn't a, have had that technical rescinded, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Tony Brothers was trying to help him out. Um, so, Luca, calf strain, tell me what the outlook is there because Vegas, let me just say this Vegas thinks the Jazz are winning the series. They think Luca yeah. is, is knocked down. The Jazz are the favored team without home court with a lower seat. And healthy Luca, I would have picked the Mavericks. I, I picked Jazz in six. So I think that kind of tells you where I'm thinking. And, you know, the question is not, hey, is Luca going to be ready for game one? It's will he be able to play in the series? Mm-hmm. You know? You made if, a great point, McMahon, the other day about Rudy. I think it'd be good to, if, for, like, listeners to get a sense of, like, how, how right. long so this Rudy, could be. Rudy Gobert, with a mild calf strain uh, in the middle of the season, ended up missing three weeks. Went three weeks between that strain and when he played in the game again. And he was out about a week longer than, than he anticipated. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that was them being very cautious. And so, you know, maybe in, in, a, in a playoff situation, he would have come back, uh, you know, a few days earlier or even a week earlier. But if, if Luca is out two weeks, which Jeff Stotts at, at in street clothes on Twitter does the best job of anybody tracking NBA injuries, he says the average time out from a calf strain is 16 days. So let's call it two weeks. Even trim a little bit off that. If this is two weeks from the time Luca was injured to the time he's back, he's missing four games of this series. Right. Yeah. You know, so, and listen, the Jazz 
we we've talked a lot. The Jazz were in a tailspin. The Jazz they've got a lot of issues, a lot of funkiness going on. If the Mavericks were able to to hang in there, say they get Luca back, you know, hypothetically for Game Four, if they're able to get one of those first three games, I still think they've got a pretty good shot of winning the series if he can come back and be himself. But we just don't know. But the idea of him playing. Uh, frankly, either of the first two games would be absolutely shocking and, frankly, uh, dangerous. And the, so the Mavericks are essentially saying as little as possible. You yeah. know, they're, 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 I, they're, I saw Jason Kidd today. It was like pulling teeth to get him to say Luca's name. Well, Luca, we, we've gotten the, the he's been in good spirits, according to Jason Kidd, every single day. But Luca, <laughs> he hadn't done anything on court all week. Uh, he did a little bit on the treadmill today. You know, he is working in the back. Obviously, it's pretty much around the clock uh, rehab and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, again, the idea of him playing in, in the first two games is just that, that's not realistic. Um, the one thing that Kid has said this week that I kind of took note of, of was just more than it. I mean, Kid pretending to, you know, great. Oh, I don't know the difference. You know, come on. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But he did say that they aren't going to put Luca out there if he puts himself in jeopardy in terms of making this worse. Because we have all seen what can happen if you if you return you know too quickly from a calf strain. Yeah, and, it's a scary you know, injury for sure. The the the, the one I mean they little... claim that the Durant thing wasn't related. Okay. But sure. I I'm not a doctor, but I don't know. I mean, how could it not be? Well, the, and the one little sliver of, uh, of of good news with this thing is it the strain is higher up in the calf. It's not down toward in the area where you know it's directly impacting the Achilles, but still, it's a you know a, a strain by definition is a tear of the muscle. You know, they're doing everything they can, but you, at a certain point, you can't speed up the healing process and you can't throw a guy, especially a guy, his game, people don't think of him as being explosive, but dude, he is a stop and start, you know, pushing off on that thing, slamming the brakes on, like, you just can't put him out there before he's ready. And honestly, the, their challenge uh, early in the series, other than trying to win without him, might be convincing him to be patient because, Playing him in this series, even if they lose the series, it's not worth jeopardizing an injury that could really impact his career. And so J-Kid said they're not going to put him out there if he's in position to jeopardize and making, making it worse. And he even brought up Dirk in 2003. Well, if you remember, 2003 Western Conference Finals uh, against the, the Spurs, Dirk had a knee issue, yep. and they ended up holding him out for that series. Now – what kid didn't mention is Cuban was pushing for Dirk to play. Nelly's the one who held him out and ended up being a big part of their falling out. But point being, Luca's future is way too valuable to jeopardize that during a first round series. And where obviously would be a significant achievement and, and step for the Mavericks to get out of this round. But it's not like they're Western Conference favorites or anything. I mean, let, let's be honest, healthy Luca or not. 
they're we, not we the favorites, we, but they are dangerous. They're dangerous. With dangerous, but what kind of healthy Luca? What kind of chance do you give them of getting to the West Finals, getting past the Suns next round? I thought they well, had I, the best chance of beating the Suns of anybody in the West until Sunday afternoon. So, I mean, I thought they had a real shot. But to your point, McMahon, you go back to that Dirk series and you go back to 2000 when Greg Popovich sat Tim Duncan out, right, mm-hmm. with the same kind of knee thing. Like, he could have come back and played. And he was mad about it at the time, but they were like, look, you're going to play for decades. Like we need to yes. make sure you're healthy. And with a calf injury, like just like you said, even if you're just talking about this year's playoffs, if Luca comes back a couple of you know, a game or two earlier than maybe he should. And then he hurts it again, six minutes into the game and it's just done. Well, then they have no chance of making a run anyway. So, you know, right. it, exactly. there's no point and there's no point in putting him in a situation where you have a risk of even just re-injuring it and he can't play for another month. So, and with it, and with tricky. an injury like this, it's not only you know do you like hey you come back you hurt yourself we're done for the playoffs regardless that really complicates this summer going into next season you can screw up next season trying yep. to rush him back and so totally. again the Mavericks they aren't what I anticipate happening is Luca really pushing to come back ASAP and the Mavericks you know, taking uh, umbrage with the, the, the P part of that as soon as possible. And it's not possible if, uh, you know, if that muscle hasn't healed. Yeah. And you know what? I think since they traded Chris, you know, Chris Tats Porzingis to me, this is the new Mavericks, right? They've reset their clock. They've reset their time clock. They've reset everything. So would I sacrifice this first round series this year to then go forward with the guy we think who's our coach and with a team that we think we can build on going forward, that to me is a no brainer. Yeah. And, and you know what, they actually, I think have a significantly better chance of surviving a, if it's a brief Luca absence, if it's a three game, even four game deal, they have a better chance of surviving that and, and being able to still win this series because of that trade. Because if they hadn't made that trade, then it's all on Jalen Brunson. Now they've got, they've at least got Dinwiddie, who, let's be honest, has blown away all of our expectations for for what he could be with the Mavericks. Dinwiddie at least, I think, gives them a chance to to compete in a way that wouldn't have been possible uh, if they hadn't made that deal. Cajonas factor, Tim. Cajonas factor. Hey, listen, yeah. Dinwiddie, they, these guys, the, the, the bronze, the bronze medalist for Cajonas factor player of the month last month. These guys got on me, but it's a, it's the truth. I believe it. You should, you should call it, you should, he should get the brass award. Forget the bronze. The brass <laughs> uh, speaking of, um, uh, speaking of series, I think are going to be really interesting. And by the way, that Matt was getting the first two games at home. If they get a split there, I would be, a, it would go a, yeah. a, a long yep. way. Yep. Bontemps, the series you mentioned you're covering. Um, this is I'm going to Phoenix. I'm going to do Phoenix, whomever they play, uh, Clippers or Pelicans. But uh, I got a red line around um, around Philly, around Philly, Toronto. Um, yep. I know that I know that Toronto technically is the is the sixth seed. I'm sorry, the uh, the five, five seed. seed. But yeah. let's be honest, they are not playing like the five seed, nor is Philly playing like the four seed. This is inverted. You know, if not in home court, it's inverted in, in the way they've been playing. Um, uh, James Harden, uh, the reason that they pushed to make this trade before the summer when they could have waited was because they wanted to get this playoff run in with James Harden. And the expectation was that he and Joel would be able to be on the, on the, on some sort of rhythm at this point. But that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened at all. And, and, and Matisse Thibel is not going to be able to play in the games in Toronto. So, yep. Where are you at right now looking at this thing? 
I think this is going to be the best series of the first round, and I have no clue how it's going to go because Joel Embiid is by far the best player in the series. And in just in keeping with typically how playoff series go, if you have clearly the best player, you're probably going to win. And so I'm leaning towards picking Sixers and seven, though the idea of the Sixers playing a game seven here in Philly, like who the hell knows how that would go. But you look at everything else that's in this series, you know, I think you'd take Nick Nurse over Doc Rivers to make adjustments throughout the course of the seven-game series. You're not going to have Matisse Thibel, one of the few athletes on this Philly team, their only good perimeter defender, really, at this point. Um, you know, Maybe you could say Danny Green, but he's lost a step by now. So you're not going to have him in the games in Toronto because he's not vaccinated, and by certainly by his comments, it does not seem like that's something that's going to be happening anytime soon. So you can rule him out for the series. And Toronto has a bunch of long freak athletes who they can throw at James Harden and make his life really difficult. Philly just lost the other day in Toronto. James Harden, I believe, was three for 12 or three for 13 in that game. Fred Van Vliet didn't even play in the game. Um, so I, it's going to be fascinating to see how this goes because there's going to be a ton of pressure and a ton of expectations here. I mean, you mentioned that trade, Brian. They, they go get James, Philly goes against James Harden and they sat up on the dais, him and uh, you know, Josh Harris and Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, and they talked about being a championship caliber team and championship expectations were here. And, you know, look, Philly got the draw it preferred. They stay away from Brooklyn. They stay away from Boston. They stay away from Milwaukee. They, they have to beat Toronto and Miami to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. If you told them two months ago, you're going to get to play Toronto and then Miami to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, they would have been like, all right, sign me up for that. I'm, I keep away from these elite teams in the East. They and, just don't want to see Trey Young in the second round. They, well, they've but, seen that and been there, done that. Well, I was just going to say, McMahon, go back to last year, right? This was on their racket. They were the one seed. They had, they had, you know, get Washington in the first round, and then they get the winner of Knicks Hawks. And you're thinking, man, the Sixers mm -hmm. are going to walk to the conference finals. They're finally going to break through. And then what happens? You know, we know what happens. They have to fall apart in game seven. Ben doesn't make the shit, doesn't take the dunk. Everything goes to hell. And now we're here where we are now. So that's a long-winded way of saying I slightly lean towards Philly. I think Joel will probably get this done. But, man, this has got a chance to go a lot of different directions. And to me, there's a ton of pressure mm. on Joel and James Harden and Doc Rivers because if they don't win this series for different reasons, it's going to come down on all three of those guys. And then there'll be a lot of ramifications. from. Is that there pressure forward. on James Harden? He's getting the yes. 200 million. Well, yes. James today, James today again said, there's no pressure on me. I'm just ready to McMahon, go out and move. Okay. But, McMahon, hold on. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't want to win. Of course he wants to win. Why would there show me the consequence of James Harden, not delivering three years ago. I would say that series I covered between Houston and golden state where Golden State won after Durant got hurt, and they were coming. They celebrated like they won a title that night in Houston and were running down the hallway saying, bleep Chris Paul, bleep Chris Paul, and they're all the and Harden just blamed Chris Paul, and they were, they were like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We'll get him out of here. Then well, he, he that's quits the on two you teams. You can't blame somebody else. You can't blame somebody else. Yeah, anymore. what I what I would say. Blame. What's the consequence? That they're not well, going to give him 250? Guess know. what? They're giving him the 250 either way. I would, I would How say. How do you know? What if he, wait a minute. What if he bombs? What if he bombs in this first round series? Then, then Doc probably takes the fall. Doc but, Rivers will. And then, you give, and then you turn around and give James Harden all that money. I Jack, don't. Listen, Daryl Moore does. 
Jackie, if I was watching James Harden right now and he was in the middle of a $250 million contract, I'd be like, oh my gosh. Exactly. We got problems. Well, listen, Forget the fact that the beginning, and they're going to give it to him, Jackie. They have to. Listen, Bobby, have Marks, to. Bobby Marks said the day they made the trade, when he signs that contract, it will be the worst contract in NBA history. And Daryl Morey, not far from where I used to live in Boston, Jackie, sat on the stage wearing a James Harden shirt or a shirt with James Harden's face on it and said, I've been reunited with my basketball Jesus. And I think the expectation has to be that he's going to get re-signed and be here in Philly. When I say there's going to be pressure and consequences, what I'm talking about is with the people here in Philadelphia. As we all know, this is not the easiest place to play for a variety of reasons. And if they lose this series, there's already people here who are starting to go, eh, I don't know about this James Harden thing. This isn't looking right. like it's going great. If they lose to Toronto in the first round of the playoffs and James Harden doesn't play well, whether they re-sign him or not, there's going to be a lot of people here going, what the hell are we doing? And it's going to be, it's there's everything is going to get ratcheted up. And yes, they'll probably move on from the coach. They'll bring in a new coach. Like Tim said, they'll shift things around, but you've got to focus on that. And the other thing is too, Joel Embiid is just signed the Supermax, but this guy is going to be looking around. And if this thing starts to go sideways, if, even if they bring James Harden back, there's just all there's going to be more noise about what happens with his future, too. So or, or especially if right, especially if. Yes. I mean, we've talked about the, the shelf life of James Harden and co-stars. But what's a risk for James Harden? His reputation. Yeah. You know, I don't think he cares. Which is already oh, on the edge of the cliff care. anyway, when it comes to big games. Yeah. Big moments. So yeah, let him go two for 11 in a first round flame out elimination. I mean, as Zach he'll, has said, as Zach has said a bunch of fashion, times, he'll go to fashion week and say, let me know when I got to come back to sign the 250. <laughs> I mean, look, as Zach has said a bunch of times, what is James Harden's postseason moment? He doesn't really have one, right? You got to go back. The block on 10. Lou Dort in the first round His game. His postseason moment. moment is trade me and sign my contact extension. Right. Which is, which is what's been happening routinely. But, but, the last but can I just say one thing? This is a funny thing to me about the NBA and everyone forgets about matchups. If the Toronto Raptors beat the, the 76ers, to me, that's not even a big upset. No, I agree. I, I mean, I, well, Pascal Siakam might be like the best player in, in the league no one's talking about right now. He's had an unbelievable turnaround. Talk about a guy whose reputation yep. was hanging in the balance. This dude, he, he, in my mind, of course, I don't vote anymore because I'm semi-retired. So I can't believe why I'm on with you guys still. But here we go. Um, <laughs> I promise dude, you when I'm retired, I am not talking to you. She, she sounds retired, doesn't she? She doesn't no, know what's going on in the league at all. She nothing. Knows, well, she has I, no idea. I, I certainly <laughs> hope to be at some point. But anyway, my point would be that if I had to do an all-NBA team this year, which gratefully and thankfully I do not, because I'm tired of agents calling me at two in the morning when I don't pick their player. Um, <laughs> you could make a really good case for Siakam and, but no one's talking about him because it's Toronto and they, you know, sure. they, you know, and so if the Sixers lost to the Raptors, I wouldn't be like, what a shock. That's, that's egregious. I'd be like, yeah, that team's just playing better right now. And they have some pretty good guys that know how to close out games and another tough luck thing for Embiid. But I mean, all of us who've been watching Harden, it's not hindsight. It wasn't hindsight when we were all saying, what are you doing? Do not make yep. this deal. That, well, that's it, hindsight. Totally, totally, tr totally true. And the one thing I didn't mention that I think could end up being the total X factor in the whole series is the health of Fred Van Vliet. He right. was fantastic through the all-star break. He was shooting 40% from three. He shot 29% from three after the break. He's been dealing with some issues. He's gotten a bunch of time off. He says he feels a lot better. 
But to me, it, that's sort of the key. If if he's playing and, really Anunobi well, hasn't Ananobi hasn't been healthy. OG has missed a ton of time too. Like they've barely had their full team. But if pa- if Fred VanVleet is healthy, and like you said, Jackie Pascal ended up being the last guy I left off of my NBA ballot. Basically, came down to one of him, Demar or LeBron, and I chose he was the one who got left off. But if you a pox on you, Bontemps, a pox well, on you. It's I mean, there'll certainly be a pox on me in Toronto because anytime you don't vote <laughs> for any of their players, it's the end of the world. But or. Um, with or the fans, I should say, not the Raptors. The fans right. are crazy. But or here, um, well, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say was if you have if you have Fred and in Pascal rolling, then the, the I think Toronto could score enough to potentially win the series. If Fred is compromised and is still shooting twenty nine percent from three, yeah, they have trouble. It's just scoring. it's just yeah. going to be hard for them, I think, to score. Although the way they do get out in the break and and run and create turnovers and get out and transition. There's probably no better team for them to play than a James Harden and Joel. Yeah, and they, and they frustrate players. Like, is there ever a team that frustrates players more than Toronto Raptors and a frustrated James Harden is a sight to behold. Let me tell you. I mean, one of the moments I will never forget. And I was in the stands with my family watching the Rockets play the Celtics and the Rockets are going to win the game. And Marcus Smart, were you at that game, Tim? Completely go to James Harden into yeah. not one, but two turnovers in the finals. I mean, I've never seen anything like it since. Yeah, I, I wasn't at that game, but it was a class. I mean, it was an all-time Marcus Smart thing where he was. It was. It was. It was. I was like, and flopping. And- right. I'm like, <laughs> this. I was like, did this just happen? Did I really see this? So. Well, we have to go, but I, I just want to say this. The stage is set. For Embiid, forget about Harden, forget about Thibel, forget about Scotty Barnes, forget yep. about Fred Van Vliet. The stage is set here for Joel Embiid to do something remarkable in this series. And I know the votes have been in. And that what he does in this series can't be, some of us will feel differently about it, but others of us who believe it, who believe greatly in Joel Embiid will feel all right so tell me who'd you guys vote for did you already do this I, let, me, let me hear your we have to, we're doing it on another part of the pod i voted for Embiid. i don't think that's a surprise i'm not allowed um, to vote <laughs> i voted um, i voted for Giannis. wait why aren't you not allowed to vote because you're he banned. Just, uh, he just doesn't have a vote you got it yeah i'm, I'm banned <laughs> all right well we'll talk about i would have voted for Jokic. I don't see how the man had a historic year sorry there, all love, of you are totally fine love 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 just saying Personally and professionally, and Giannis, by the way. And that's those are all willing. This is a moment for Embiid. And if he delivers on this moment, it could be a statement moment in his career. That's all I'm saying. If he gets out of the first round. He could have that moment and still lose. He could still have this moment you're talking about and lose. That's true. That's true. We'll see. Jackie, thank you so much. Bye, guys. Great to see you. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's got to be sooner than that, please. Uh, McMahon, Bontemps, thank you, Jackson Agello, our producer. I've got to go, so sorry. Um, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.